your community. And I've also received two or three emails, which is just awesome. And so awesome, guys. Thanks for, thanks for giving here, uh, not only finances, but your time and your giftings and all those things. And everyone that serves here to make that sort of thing possible. Because how many people know that's really what it's about? Being, as we've been looking at, being a voice for him, uh, being an authentic voice, not only uh, becoming the message, but proclaiming it. So let's just pray as we enter in today. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are this incredible Father that defines us. Lord, you are all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful. Lord, you're omnipresent, which means you're everywhere at all times. Lord, we can trust in you. You define who we are. You've started this thing, Father, and one day it will end, Lord, this physical planet, but our eternity will be with you forever. Lord, that is just an incredible thing. I thank you for your love that abounds. I thank you for your mercy that abounds. I thank you for your grace that abounds, that covers us, Lord, our past, present, and our future, Father. So, Lord, as we, uh, as we hear from you today, Lord, I pray that we would receive a nugget of truth that would transform us. I pray that the word that goes out today, Lord, we would receive by faith and allow that word to germinate in our hearts, Lord, and that it would grow. And then you would continue to define us through your word, through your son, Jesus Christ, that we would come more into this reality of hope and peace and joy, the living Christ in us, Father. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you haven't left us where we are. I thank you, God, that you're growing us today more and more. And I thank you for the changes that, uh, that you are doing, not only in us as a community, but other communities here in Wellington and New Zealand, our Lord, to reach a people that don't know you yet, Father. And so, God, just continue to pour out your com- compassion in our hearts for those that don't know you, that we may be a loving, respectful, gentle voice uh, leading people to your Son. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, well, if you are with us um, for the first time, we've just been looking at this whole thing called patterning the life of Christ. What does it mean to pattern? What does it mean to live a life that reflects His? If we were to take Him and look at Him, how did He love on people? How did He reach out to people? How did He allow the Father to define Him? What was his internal uh, mechanisms, his internal systems look like? You know, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He, he continued to, to model for us what love looks like and mercy looks like and humility looks like. What meekness looks like. How to treat people when they treat you badly. And then we can look at his life and we can see him reaching out and laying hands on people and see this, this external manifestations of, of his authority and his power come through healing and, and people for the first time connecting back to him and as the Bible says, getting saved. And so we've been looking at this whole thing called patterning his life and this morning and over, I don't know, maybe the next four, five, six weeks, I want to look, like, uh, look at what Jesus patterned this whole thing called sonship. What does is, what is being a son of God mean? What does it look like to be a son? To understand, not just have a a head knowledge, but have a heart revelation knowledge of what it truly means to be a son of the living God. When I say son, I mean son is male and female. And so sonship is a male and female thing. What does it it mean to know that your father, this, this heavenly father, will always be there for you? will never leave you, will never forsake you, that his love, no matter how distant or how close you are to him, will never, uh, will never lessen. 
And so today I, I want to talk about that and, and really uh, I'm just going to give you little nugget size bites. I don't want to give you too much. Um, and so after today, my hope is that what I, what I share is that the Father defines sonship, that you would walk away knowing that it's actually the Father that defines what sonship looks like. Not me or you, but Him. And that we, we, we must come to that understanding. We don't define anything. We don't define truth. He is the one that defines truth. So after today, you might go, you know what, I don't feel, in my, in my inner world, I don't feel that way. And you know what, that's okay, but we're not to stay there. Because our feelings don't determine truth. Truth determines truth. My thoughts, you might go, you know what, I don't think I'm a son. But the reality is, if you're born again, if you've invited Jesus Christ into your heart and been born of the Spirit, you are His Son. And so don't believe the lie. You may think you're not, but that actually really, can I be honest, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. The only thing that matters is what God says. And so if I'm outside of that thinking, then I must move towards that reality through the Spirit of God. And I want to encourage you today to move towards His reality. Because the more we come into the reality of who we are in Him, that we are sons, and that can never be taken from you, you will soar like an eagle. The freedom, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the love, all those things will become a greater reality through a process of revelation. And so that's my heart today, and that's what you'd leave understanding. And I've just called this identity crisis. Identity crisis. When I speak to a lot of Christian people, a lot of Christians don't understand this concept of sonship. We live like we're slaves. I'm never good enough. I'm not good enough. How can he love me? Because he can, and he does, and he has. God, he, he died for our past stuff. He died for our present stuff. And he died for our future self. Sin, all sin means is to miss a mark. That's all it means. It's like having a, you know, a, a, a dartboard and trying to throw your darts at the bullseye. You just miss, you just miss a mark. He's covered that stuff. He's died for all that stuff. It's like you can still do that. You know what? You're still living in that. You're still a son. It's still your identity. You know, in my own home, when I messed up, my dad didn't go, Greg, you're no longer my son. There are consequences for these things that you've done, but you're, no, you're, not, you're still my son. And his love was restorative. It restored me. And it's the same for us. And we can live as slaves when we're actually sons. And we're going to look at that later on. And how the Father wants us to come into this fullness. In my Father's house, I live as a son. Sonship's a state of being. You don't earn it. You just receive it. And it starts to define you. It's a state of being. You don't do sonship. You are a son. And you live from that perspective. And last week I was talking about how knowing him is so vital for our identity. Knowing him and knowing who we are in him. And we looked at John the Baptist and I was saying, you know, like so many people tried to label him. They tried to say, are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? Are you the Messiah? He said, I'm none of those things. I'm a son. I know who I am. I'm a voice in the wilderness. I'm a son. If, if we don't nail this, if we don't settle this, other people will try and define us and we'll accept those labels. And if we don't know who we are, we'll try and become someone we're not. Someone we're not graced to become 
which means we go down lanes that we're not graceful and we end up frustrated and troubled and this is, this is hard. Just think about this. When David was going to fight Goliath, what did the people try and do? What did Saul try and do? Thank you. He tried to put his own armor on David. What did David say? No. I'm not going to fit in this thing. This thing's going to be encumbrance. This thing's going to be heavy. I'm, I'm not defiant. I'm not built to wear your armor. You need to wear your armor. Just give me a sling and some, some rocks and I'm going to take this giant down. Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew who he was in God. And he said, I'm not going to allow anyone else to define me. Only the Father defines the Son. Just, if you can just listen to this, if we don't have a revelation of our place and position of sonship, we will be constantly struggling and being tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves of man's second opinions, everyone's opinion, what they think, the way man patterns things, and we'll live a life that's man-centered, not God-centered. Man, does the world live a life that's man-centered? And the challenge is that we're not to be of the world, part of the world, and we're to live lives that are Christ-centered. Christ at the center of my being. Christ at the center of my marriage. Christ at the center of my relationship with my children. Christ at the center of the way the church is defined and built. But if I'm unaware of my sonship and who I am and, and I'm trying to, trying to determine those things, then the reality is I can be tossed to and fro like the wind and the waves. I'm, oh, do you think I'm this? Oh, do you think I'm that? Or what about this? Or what about that? And you know what the Bible says? That's a double-minded man. That's a double-minded person. A double-minded person doesn't receive anything. Single-mindedness, knowing who we are. And so we're going to look at this. So come to with Luke 3, 21 to 22. And I'm just really going to speak from one passage. And it's this one. I'll give you three just simple thoughts but they're powerful thoughts. I haven't got a PowerPoint today. Sorry, the person that does my PowerPoints, their computer crashed. And so um, uh, no PowerPoint. So if you are writing, I'll go nice and slow so you can write down the points. But So Luke 3, uh, 21 to 22. And as I said before, this, this first message is really the framework. It's the foundation in which we're going to launch the other messages off. Um, so Luke 3, 21, 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Wow. Wow. And a voice came out of heaven. A voice came out of heaven and said, You are my beloved son. In you, I'm well pleased. That's how the Father sees you and me. He would say to you today, through the voice of Greg Sinner, that you're my son. In you, I'm well pleased. I don't know whether you heard that growing up. I was fortunate to live in a home that I heard that fairly regularly by my father, by my mother. You know what? It really helps in building identity into a child. But if you never heard that, 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that sucks. But today, the Father would say to you, I'm well pleased. I am well pleased with you. And so my first thought today is that the Father defines sonship. The Father defines sonship. It says there, a voice came from where? Out of heaven. It was a voice not of this world that defines who we are. That's why we can't define who we are. That's why the world isn't to define who we are. He defines who we are and only him. So my father, and I'll share a little bit of this with my own children, but my father and mother played a role in defining me, which was awesome. But the reality is it's the father that defines sonship and sons. It's what he says that matters. It's what he thinks that matters. That's why, as I said before, if we aren't aligned to that today, if you don't think you are, believe you are, can I say you are? And can I encourage you to allow the Father to define your thinking and your thoughts? That's why it's so important. The Bible says be transformed at the renewing of one's mind so you actually come into the reality that you're actually already in. Do you understand that? You're already there. It's just a matter of that being revealed to you. But the more you tell yourself you're not, the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word. If you tell yourself you're not, you'll hear you're not, and you'll believe you're not when you already are. That's the greatest deception the enemy's got us down with. We are. If you've asked Jesus into your life, been baptized, filled with his Holy Spirit, being born again, you're a son. That's your identity, and the Father defines that for you and me. So we have to settle that issue in our hearts once and for all today. You have to settle it, and this is going to be it, and I'm going to come into the reality of it as I walk with my brothers and sisters and you, God, reveal this to me so it becomes more of a reality what it already is. Because sonship is a state of being. You're already there. You just have to live it out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank you, Lord. So we have to come into an agreement with the Father. The power of agreement. I agree with you, although I don't feel like it. I agree. I move towards you. Did you create yourself? Did you choose to be born? No, I didn't either. But he chose me. Before the foundations of the world, he chose you and me to be. And the Bible says he adopted me. You know what? I love that fact. You see, people that adopt people, they choose their sons or daughters. They make an active choice of their will to choose. Isn't that awesome? The fact that God knew you before Wow, you're a son, and the father defines you as a son. You know, growing up, as I said, my, my, my natural dad and my mum, and I remember one time my, my dad, and he, he used to, um, he worked for Tisco, and he was a TV technician. That's how we got out from England to New Zealand. Um, and he came home one day, and he'd been talking, and in those days, it's foreign today. I mean, now you just throw your tally away, and you buy a new one. I mean, but in those days, he used to go to people's houses and fix their TVs. 
And he was out there one day and he was talking to this lady and, and she, she, was, she was just dialoguing with him and she said, oh, you know, have you got a family? You have moved from England, blah, blah, blah. And, well, how many children have you got? And he said, oh, I've got three kids. And she went, oh. He's like, what? You never have three kids. He's like, well, we have. <laughs> He's like, why? Because the middle one always feels left out. He's like, Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the middle one. You never have three. You always have four or two. I don't know where this wisdom came from, but anyway. So you know what? That bothered my dad. It bothered him. And he came home that night and he said, Greg, can we have a chat? I said, yeah. And I was about 14. He said, son, he said, do you ever feel left out? I was like, nah. <laughs> he said, are you sure? I was like, he said, and I said, I said no, nah, not at all. And he said, oh, I said, why? He said, oh, you know, he explained. He was out the day and the lady said, you know, that, um, that the, the, the middle child always feels left out. And I was really worried. I said, Dad, no way. I said, you constantly reaffirm us. You constantly tell us who we are. You constantly support us in our football and our schooling. You allow us to be who we're created to be. You know what? That's the Father's heart for us. And guys, dads, can I speak to you today that as dads, one of the key roles that we have is to define our children's identity. One of the key roles the Father has given us, because everything is a typology. God gives us the physical. What's in the spirit, he gives us in the physical. That's what I've been talking about. He gives us a marriage to help us define us to a greater reality of marriage, which is of him. So one of our key roles, dads, is to help shape and define our children's identity. I'm making a specific intentional decision of mine now to tell my daughters who they are in him, the love that, that Danielle and I have for them, who they are called to be. And I don't know about you, but you just have to, just one word of praise. And especially Madeline, she lights up. It's like, really? Even this morning, I said, I just said to her, I said, you look gorgeous, honey. The affirmation of a father. It's powerful, men. Fathers, speak life. And today, guys, the Father speaks life to us. And he says, you all are my sons. A voice came out of heaven and said to his boy, you're my son. And you know what? You're not only my son, but I'm well pleased with you. And I want us to watch a clip. And um, if you've got a hanky or tissues, this is going to make you cry. So I just put that as a prerequisite. <laughs> But I want you to, yeah, disclaimer, so um, we might not preach after this, guys. We might go straight into worship because when I watched this, I was bawling like a baby. And I want to show you how powerful it is for a young boy to be affirmed by his father, to have not had a father and to have found a father. That's the wrong clip, guys. I need the, I need the other clip. That's the second clip. And just to see the power of what it means for his son. Thanks, God. Oceans, continents, and decades. It took a reality show, a good Samaritan, and a lot of luck to help one young man meet his father for the first time more than 28 years after he was born, and Gigi Chang was there. What a story. It is. It was a series of heartwarming coincidences, George, that you won't believe. Imagine a young man in the Philippines getting to meet the American father in New Jersey he never knew, all because of a stranger who happened to be watching an American Idol-type show in the Philippines. Here's the story. 
This is no ordinary stroll down the sidewalk. For Barry Bogart Jr., this is a moment 28 years and 6,000 miles in the making. This is where Barry's journey began, on stage in his native Philippines, singing out his soul on the talent show Wow Wow Wee. When his song ended, real tears, first for a mother he lost. My name is Barry Bogart Jr. And my father died when I was five years old. Then for a father he'd never met. I don't know where you are. If you don't care about us, I want you to know that I want to see you. I want to see you. All Barry ever knew about his dad was that he'd been stationed in the Navy in the Philippines. And before shipping out, he'd had a whirlwind romance with Barry's mom, Remy Monticello. Once his mother died, Barry became an orphan. So it's remarkable that an ocean away it would be another orphan, a complete stranger, who would see Barry's heartfelt plea and decide to make a difference. Meet Greg Rosas. I saw Wawawi. I cried with him. You cried with him? Yeah, because I remember when I was a little young boy, too. My mom gave me when I was seven years old. My dad has the biggest heart I know. My dad knew that he could help him somehow, some way. So Greg, a restaurant owner in Seattle, started working the phones. First, he tracked down Barry in the Philippines. Then... Armed with a few important clues, he made the call that would change lives. I picked up the phone. He asked me, did I have a son in the Philippines when I was in the military? And I said, yes. Can you just tell me your girlfriend's name? And then he said, Remy Monticello. Oh, my God. I said, you are the father. The picture he sent me. So it looks exactly like me. DNA tests confirm the match. Greg flew Barry Jr. from Manila to Seattle on his own dime. And together they traveled the final leg to New Jersey for the long-awaited reunion with his father and an American family he never knew. What's it like knowing that in a little while you're going to go meet your dad? Somebody you've been thinking about for 28 years. Um, mixed emotions. <laughs> Which brings us back to that sidewalk. If you've ever wondered what it looks like to see a broken heart heal, watch closely. Oh. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Damn, that's me. <laughs> Don't cry, so please, Barry, stop. Call me. Stop, stop. <laughs> oh, let me look at you. Let me look at you. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Sr. says it's like looking in the mirror. A father and son reunion, courtesy of another orphan turned guardian angel. 
Now, Greg, the guardian angel, says he never wants to get between father and son, but even Barry Sr. says he wants Thanks, his son God. to stay in Seattle and work at Greg's restaurant. And Barry Jr. says he plans to work day and it's night, the, not just so he can... Oh. <laughs> I might go to the gym and be six foot four and all that, but I'm a big softy, I tell you. Do you hear the father's words? He looks like me. He looks like me. And uh, the Father defines sonship. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're a million miles away from the Father. I don't know if you even know him today. But if you'd like to get to know him at the end of the day, we'd love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And uh, you've been created to be his. You've been created to be in a relationship with the Father. And a little bit like that boy, 28 years of not knowing his father. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never known, but you want to know. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here with us today and you are a son, but you've been distant. You've been on your own journey and you just know the distance. And I'd love to just be able to pray with you today if you'd say, you know, I just want to come home. You're still a son, but um, you know you've been out somewhere and you want to come home. But I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you've adopted us. Just listen to these words. And this is what I was saying before, Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Just as he chose us. It's my second thought is just the father marks his sons. The father marks his sons. It says here, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. Just like the father of the prodigal son, when the son came home, marked him. He gave him back the ring. He gave him back a gown. You see, the son hadn't lost his sonship. The son thought he had. The son thought he was going to go back and live as a slave under his father's roof. But the father heart, you see the beautifulness of the father heart just modeled. He says, my son has returned. See, this father was waiting for the son to return his whole life. And he doesn't say, yeah, you know what, you're going to go feed the pigs. He doesn't say, you know what, you're going to, yep, oh, yeah, you were so awful and bad, we're going to do this. No, what does the father do? The father gives him back the ring. He gives him back the gown. He reinstates him back to the position that he always was because he was a son. Distance didn't determine whether you're a son or not. Once again, if you've been born again, if you've invited him in, if you're born of the spirit, you're a son. Your intimacy may not be as good as what you want it to be, but you're still a son. And the Father marks the Son with the Holy Spirit. You know, when Lily was born, I, um, I've got this little thing with my ear. My ear's sort of like bent over a little bit. And you know what? When she came out and, and she came flying out, it was quite <laughs> incredible. And she, she, she almost like came flying out and kept running. And she's been like that since day one. But I remember looking and I look in her ear and I thought, she's got my ear. <laughs> Not, she's got my eye, she's got my nose, she's got my mouth. She's got my ear. Look at that. Little Spock ears. And um, you see the natural thing of just she was marked. I knew she was mine. 
Why? Because she had daddy's ear. She's got mummy's personality and daddy's ear. I don't know. I don't know which one's worse or not. But anyway. <laughs> Just talking about building life and there I go. Yeah. <laughs> That's my humanness, see? <laughs> oh, forgive me, Lord. But 2 Corinthians 5 5 says that God has given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit. Why would God give us the Holy Spirit as a deposit? To run the race, to complete the race. He gives us what we need. He says, you know what? Not only are you my son, I'm going to mark you with a mark of the Spirit to confirm you're my son. And the Spirit's going to help you and empower you become the greatest son that you can be. I've given you gifts. I've given you talents and submitted to me. Those things are going to go into the world because you're going into the world. We talk about this for a sent people. And my sons will turn up and people will see me in a son. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit. You know, so often we can just focus on the gifts of the Spirit and all those things and, and make those things what it's about, but it's not. They're just a byproduct of our relationship. Paul says, run the race well, finish the race. You know, we've just watched Marty Drysdale just win a gold medal. What an awesome gold medal he won. 12 years, 14 years of sweat and tears and blood and all that stuff. And that's awesome, but you know what? It, at the end of the day, I guess it's not really so much about a gold medal, is it? That we're going after. We're going after a person and chasing a person and coming into more of what that means. That's what real gold's about. God even says, you, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined through a fire. And so God marks his sons. That's the second thought. And the last thought this morning is the father renounces the lie. I love this. The father renounces the lie. In you, I'm well pleased. He says, this is my son. When you flick over the page and you look at Luke, you see this other person called the adversary going, if you are the son, if you are the son, if you are the son. You hear what I'm saying? The father renounces the lie. The father says it before the enemy even speaks. You're my son. Don't believe all that rubbish. Father only needs to speak once. The enemy has to keep repeating himself. Why do you think that is? Because Jesus knows he's a son. And he takes those words, he believes those words, he allows those words to shape, mold, and define him. And then when he hears this other voice, he just speaks forth. It's written in the word bang. It's written in the word bang. And it's written in the word bang. So hop your hook out of here. See, his son knows who he is. And speaks forth accordingly. I love the fact that the father goes before and renounces the lie. And so please don't believe a lie today. Don't be molded by a lie. Don't allow other people to define you. I pray that the, if you've had negative words spoken over you as a child, that your father or mother's words will not define your reality any longer. That Jesus died for all that stuff. He, defied, he died for all those negative words that maybe have got you believing that you're not. Today's the day to renounce those. Today's the day to bind those things and to loosen life over your own life and to step into the sonship. As I said, that's already there. All you're doing is living in a reality that already exists 
And I pray God will show you that reality more and more today. Now, the reason the enemy lies is because he's after your and my inheritance. We're going to look at another passage later on in Galatians, where that's all he comes to do, steal, kill, and destroy your inheritance. You arriving at a particular point with what God has for us, anchored in him. That's all he's got. Smoke screens. Deception. Jesus said to his disciples, be, be aware, do not be deceived. Walk in truth. Walk together. Because there is an adversary who comes who will try and get you going on Highway 50 instead of Highway 1. And when you get back on Highway 1 and you're running in the lane, he'll try and get you on Highway 47. It's a constant war. These voices are constant. And so we have to settle the issue once and for all. I'm a son. I'm a son. Thank you for my sonship. Thank you that I don't define it. Thank you that my, my mother, my father in a negative way don't define it. That my friends don't define it. My brothers and sisters don't define it. My next door neighbor doesn't define it. Greg Simler doesn't define it. You know who defines it? My father in heaven. Then he marks me with his Holy Spirit. And he says, I with you, I am well pleased. And then he renounces the lie so I can continue to run in that race and run with those shoes on. And come into the fullness and the riches of inheritance that Paul talks about. Which is not only now, but it's in a future time as well. Now and the future. And that is for every single son. Yeah? Every one of us. That have invited Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life. You're a son. If I have the music, guys, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Just a thought for us. If we are to have a possessed future, we must have an empowered present. But if we are to have an empowered present, we must have a fully restored past. And I just want to say this to you. If you've invited Jesus into your life, then your past is restored. It's restored. It's restored. The blood is washed over you. It's done. It is finished. It's telestite. It's done. Nothing more you have to do. The only thing we have to do is just move forward and just receive more and more and more of what he says. Not what we say, our voices say, but what he says. And let me read John 1. 12 over you. I love these words just to reinforce again what I've said today. It's the Father that defines sonship. He then marks us, He renounces the line. He says this But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But as many as received him. You've received him? How many people here have received Jesus as Lord and Savior? Thank you, Father. To them he gave, to you and me, he gave the right to become a child. 
child of the living God, before the foundation of the world, saw you, saw your hair, lack of it, (laughs) saw who you are, who you're going to be, all those things, he gave you the right to become. Not born of blood, but of an act of choice of his will. And so Lord, today, I thank you, Lord, that we're sons. I thank you, Father, that you died that we could live as sons and come into the fullness of sons and priests and to be kings and be the bride, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you define who we are. And I pray today, Lord, that we would allow your spirit to speak to us, that we would allow the word of God to define our reality, not our thoughts or our feelings, but your word, the word that's sharper than a double-edged sword, the word that's living and active, the the word that that judges thoughts and attitudes, Lord, the word that is living. You said my words are, are, are spirit and life, God. My word can can shape things and change things. And uh, I just want us to play just this one last clip. Thank you for reminding me, Holy Spirit. And um, I want you to watch this clip, listen to the words of this clip, and allow the words to minister to you. Thanks, guys. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. father ever could. 
for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken-hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my Son Jesus, you receive me. Nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is: Will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Anyone here that um, wants to commit their lives? I want to make